Hi, my name is Suze Morrison. I'm the MPP for Toronto Centre. Welcome to my podcast, Stories for Change. Hello and welcome. My name is Suze Morrison and I'm the member of Provincial Parliament for Toronto Centre. Uh, and today I'm here with Franca from Corktown, uh, who's one of the local residents uh, who has been leading the fight to save the foundry uh, down in the Corktown neighborhood, uh, which has recently come under attack uh, by the provincial government. Uh, so I want to say welcome to Franca, and I'm uh, going to turn things over to you to talk a little bit about uh, your story uh, and your passion, your commitment to saving the foundry, and a little bit about what's been going on down there. Uh, and then uh, we'll bring it back and talk a little bit about what sort of changes we need to see uh, from the provincial government uh, down in Corktown uh, to see the site turned into something that uh, the community is really proud of. So over to you. Thanks, Sue. Uh, my husband and I moved into this neighborhood um, five years ago now, and uh, we moved into a, an apartment that is actually right across from this view that you see here behind me um, in my background. Uh, it's a very new neighborhood. It's called the West Donlands, and it was very, very intensively planned with a lot of community consultation to be a particular kind of neighborhood, very livable. Uh, everything is on a scale that allows for density, which is really important in a, in a, a downtown neighborhood in Toronto. It's why we all live here. But it also uh, has things on a human scale. So the buildings here are you know, 14, 15, there's a couple of big towers here and there, but mostly it's it's kind of a medium density situation. There's a beautiful park, Corktown Common, which is a tremendous resource for the people in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of um, opportunities for public space in the neighborhood. It is not finished, it's a work in progress. Um, it's progressed a lot since we moved here and continues to do so. And we are so happy with the way it was going and the plan. It's very diverse. There's all kinds of different uh, people living here, all ages. There are young families, there's retired people, there are single people, there are couples, there are bigger families. There's uh, uh, definitely two buildings full of uh, affordable housing with uh, people who come from all different walks of life. And we're all getting along just fine. And we're all kind of committed to the neighborhood. One of the things I love about this neighborhood is that there's a lot of community feeling here. People say hello to each other in the street. It's completely normal just to say hi when you see somebody. There's little restaurants along the uh, bottoms of the buildings and you get to kind of get to know your neighbors by meeting them outside the restaurant these days. Going to get takeout obviously, but um, and also of course in the park as well. And there are lots of trails. So it's a neighborhood that's really set up for success. It's extremely walkable. There's open spaces, there's places to exercise, and uh, a lot of community feeling in the neighborhood, in spite of the fact that people are very different from each other, very diverse sort of neighborhood. So things are going along just great. Uh, and one of the kind of cool things in the neighborhood is this building here and the uh, other three buildings, which you can't see because they're behind this building in this picture. This is called the Dominion Wheel and Foundry site. And it's uh, the last collection of uh, buildings from the industrial past of the neighborhood. This did not used to be a great neighborhood at all. It was a terrible neighborhood in the sense that it was deeply industrial. 
Uh, over there in Corktown Common, I'm pointing in the direction that it is, over there in Corktown Common, they were slaughtering hogs. That's what they did decades and decades ago in this neighborhood. And of course, over here at the uh, Dominion Foundries, Wheel and Foundries Company, they were making steel. Uh, before that, iron was made there by a different company. So there was a lot of heavy industry here, and it was a difficult and challenging area to develop because of that. But it was done. The last bit of that industrial heritage still stands right there uh, in the building that you see, the picture that you see behind me. And it is uh, something that everybody in the neighborhood is kind of, has always been kind of pumped about, kind of excited. What's going what's gonna to happen with this site? What are they going to do with it? Are they going to put in like a, a special, you know, community space? Is there going to be like a are there going to be stores? Is there going to be apartments sort of built into the site along with the heritage buildings? Like distillery is a wonderful example of that where we actually lived there for, for a year before we came here. And it's a fantastic mix of heritage buildings, um, commercial activity. A lot of people live there, like a lot. It's quite dense and uh, and a real sense of community. It's a, So we're, we were thinking, okay, this is going to really kind of pivot this neighborhood into something really cool. And uh, last October, we noticed a post on Facebook by somebody in Corktown um, saying, oh, I hear there's this ministerial zoning order about these buildings here. Wonder what's going to happen to the site. And uh, a lot of people in, in my building, for sure, because we have a very active Facebook group, kind of went on red alert at that point. And we all kind of separately went and looked up what's the ministerial zoning order, what's going on. And it became evident within 24 hours of the order being announced that this was something of great concern because a ministerial zoning order, an MZO is what it, um, people talk MZO and MZO, some people say MZO, um, basically gives the province cart launch. They can do anything they want. They happen to be the owners of this property. Um, and with uh, normally when you build something in a neighborhood, you have to talk to the city about uh, whether what you want to put in there is going to work with what else is going on there. You also have to talk to the community. There's a whole process in place. And developers hate it because it's just a bunch of barriers to them doing what they want to do. But it actually works for everybody in the long run, even the developers who in fact are people who live in neighborhoods too. So, you know, but uh, it means that you can't just put things up randomly. You can't just grab a piece of land and make a bunch of money off it. So when we saw that there was this thing that had the force of law behind it, it's not even just a, a kind of a, a, you know, codicil or something like, it's a law and it says, the province can sell this build, this property to anybody that they want, and that person can do anything they want with it. And we were scared when we saw they do talk about what they plan to put there. Um, three towers, all three of them, no, two of them taller than anything else in the neighborhood, much taller, uh, and one sort of about the same size as the tallest thing now in the neighborhood. So there was some concern about that just from a density uh, point of view, because we already know that there's a whole bunch of really tall stuff going in 
uh, in the south end of our neighborhood too. And we're excited about it, but we're kind of beginning to think, whoa, wait a minute, let's let's stop and think, do we have enough sewers for this? Do we, we actually don't have any schools in the neighborhood yet, so that's an issue. Um, do we have enough just grocery store, just, just to go and get milk or something? There's one tiny little variety store here. Um, that's not gonna support all these extra people suddenly moving into the neighborhood. We're not against people moving into the neighborhood at all. And we're not against affordable housing or anything like that. We're just saying, whoa, let's hold on here. Let's see how this fits in with the overall plan for the neighborhood, which has been working very well up until now. Uh, right away, um, somebody in the building, uh, a man named Asif Hossein, who's a wonderful uh, organizer, immediately put together a, a group of people to meet together on Zoom, then immediately connected with the West Onlands Committee. We met with them um, and shared our concerns with each other and talked about, well, what, what the heck can we do? And we kind of formed a little group, um, which we called Respect Local Planning. Um, we made a little website and we had a mailing list and we would send out updates and we were getting people to write letters to the Minister of uh, Municipal Affairs and Housing, Steve Clark. So we're writing letters to him, trying to sort of explain to him like, whoa, we have a concern here. What's going on? What are your plans? Um, can we talk? Can we have a say in this? Can, you, can we have some transparency? Writing to also to Premier Ford. Um, obviously we reached out to our uh, local, uh, more, you know, our, our local politicians and uh, Kristen Wong Tam has come forward with uh, Belvon just really being very supportive and also our provincial, our local provincial representation, you, Suze, and also Chris Glover have just immediately stepped forward, joined our meetings, talked to us, listened to us, uh, absorbed our concerns, understood our concerns, and started to help educate us on how to put forward our concerns, as well as going back to bat for us. Then in January, we noticed that there was increased activity at the site, just people coming in, pickup trucks coming in. Then one day somebody dropped off a backhoe and, and went up to the guy and said, hey, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, I think they're going to be doing some digging here, testing the soil or something. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You can test the soil. Go ahead. But a couple of days later, <laughs> this really big, scary machine arrived. And I thought, gee, that's a really big soil testing machine there, guys, what's going on? And then my neighbor uh, who knows about such things said, oh no, that's not, that's a soil testing machine. That's a demolition machine. They're putting a demolition um, attachment on the end of that thing. Walked past the corner and they were putting up one of their signs with their company logo on it, proudly displayed at the corner of Palace and Rolling Mills. And I said to the guy, Hey, what you guys, what you guys doing here? And he said, Oh, we're we're taking all this down. And I was like, Wow, all of it? And he said, Yep, it's all gotta be gone by the beginning of March. And then it got really bad. Um, very quickly. On the 18th, which uh uh was a Monday, I think, I happened to look at Facebook and somebody from a neighboring building had posted a thing saying, hey, they're starting to take it down. And uh, my husband <laughs> threw on his outerwear and literally ran out the door, ran down the emergency stairs and ran over to the site. People started showing up at the site and they were arguing with, with the um, 
the, the crew there, um, the crew called the cops because they were afraid we were going to climb over the fence and attack them, which was kind of funny because they actually made the call when just my husband and this other lady was there, both of whom are in their 70s. So that was pretty funny. But the cops came and the cops stood on their side of the fence, symbolically enough, and faced us. That was day one of demolition. They continued to demolish day two. Um, we continued to show up at the fence and yell at them. Cops again were called uh, the next day, only this time they arrived on our side of the fence, which was pretty cool. And they were very chill. They were very, they just talked to us. They said, look, just be careful, you know, take care of yourselves, protect yourselves from COVID, um, stay peaceful. You know, we would rather deal with you than pretty much any other demonstrators in the city at this time. So our group, uh, we, we put up a petition um, we've got the, the signatures were just pouring in, uh, pouring in. As of today, it's over 23,000 signatures on our petition. And the reason there are so many signatures is because this has implications for our whole city, our whole province. Actually, it has implications for our whole country. The province is misusing these ministerial zoning orders all over Ontario, all over Ontario, primarily actually attacking um, areas uh, where our natural heritage is uh, was formerly being protected by uh, environmental safeguards uh, because they put in place uh, little amendments to their laws to the Planning Act. Uh, over the last year that basically said that conservation authorities are required by law to issue permits to, to okay development if they are told to. This government uh, changed the name of the ministry in charge of heritage. It's now, I think, the Ministry of Heritage, Tourism and Recreation Industries. They added the word industries to the end of the name of the ministry. In other words, they only see value in things that make money. I'm gonna say that again. They only see value in things that make money. Yeah. That means there's no value to heritage unless it can be turned into a profit. There's no value in childcare, let's say. There's no value in a parent, my son stays home and looks after my grandson. There's no value to that because there's no money changing hands. That's wrong, that's wrong. And that's why I think long-term planning, local planning, local consultation is so important because different people see value in different things. And we're all here together. And here's the incredible secret of all of this. That diversity, that difference between me and my neighbor, my upstairs neighbor, the neighbor across the street, the neighbors in the, in the affordable housing right next door, that difference is what actually makes a community work. It's what makes the city work and it makes what, it's what makes the province work. Whatever happens to this building in the picture behind me, and I do hope that, uh, that we can save, uh, save it, the fight actually is gonna go beyond this just make it very, very clear that the eyes of Ontario are on you guys right now. You've got an election coming up in two years and we will remember how you behave 
today, how you behave with, how you treat these things that we value, even if you don't value them, we value them. We're not impediments. We are your constituency and we need to be heard. You can't just keep ignoring us and treating us as though we're in the way. Educate yourself about what this government is doing. Educate yourself about what they're doing here, what they're doing in other communities in Ontario, and keep writing letters, posting posts, uh, reading the papers and writing responses to, to newspaper articles. And also stay in touch with your local MP and your local MPP and also your local municipal councillor, whoever that is. Keep in touch with them, get on their mailing list because they're, most of them are really tuned into this too. So they'll tell you what's going on as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Franca, for being here with us today. Uh, this is an absolutely great conversation. And I really uh, appreciated the perspective uh, that you brought from, uh, from the West Downlands uh, about the foundry. So keep up the good work uh, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support, Suze. Really appreciate it. And your staff. You guys have just been amazing. You can sign the petition to save the foundry at suzemorrison.ca forward slash foundry.